Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Some of our lessons were about people who were born rotten. Others were made rotten due to some trauma they endured. Today's lesson is about a young man whom I believe was rotten because it was his only way he knew how to live. Nevertheless, I feel that there is a lesson we can learn from the life of Billy the Kid. So, let's find out what it is. Magic mirror on the wall, who is the most rotten one of all? Hi, hello, and howdy, my darlings. Thank you for joining me on this lesson of Rotten to the Core. I am your not-so-evil queen, Joshua Waters. This is the history podcast about rotten people, where we try to learn a lesson or two from them and their rotten lives. I am recording this in my lair, and there are literal wind and snowstorms gusting outside my windows. Don't you wish that humans could hibernate in the winter like bears? Well, aside from eating dirt and pine cones to constipate themselves, that I can live without. Speaking of a pain in the butt, that brings me to our lesson today. He was a naughty little fella and was killed because of all of the rotten things he did. You've seen him in westerns, read about him in books, and have heard about him since we were all little kids. But what do we really know about Billy the Kid? There's a lesson or two in there somewhere. I can smell it. Little is known about Billy the Kid's early days, but he was likely born named Henry McCarty in the Irish slums of New York City sometime in late 1859. He was raised by his mama, Catherine McCarty, and she moved them first to Indianapolis, then Wichita, Kansas, before settling in New Mexico when Billy was a boy. His mother remarried a man named William Antrim once they were settled. Unfortunately, Catherine ended up dying from tuberculosis when Billy was around 15. His stepfather, William, didn't want to be shackled down by his ex-wife's kid, So, he sent Billy to a boarding house. The death of his mother would just be the start of the rotten life of Billy. While he was staying at the boarding house, Billy made some friends with a couple of hoodlums who taught him how to steal. Well, apparently, they weren't that good at it because Billy was arrested for the first time less than a year after his mama died. The first of many. A few days later, Billy escapes incarceration by, get this, he climbed out of a chimney, ugh, skinny, and officially started his short career as a Wild West outlaw. His escape even made Silver City Herald the following day, and it's the first story ever published about him. 
It's believed that Henry then went to the mines where his stepfather was working, and he told him to leave town immediately. And most likely gave him a little spending money, which was kind. Billy then ventured off through the New Mexican desert for about 500 miles all alone. Sidebar, when you think about the past, does anyone else think about the smells? 500 miles through a desert on a horse? Ooh, I bet he smelled so bad it would make a pig's eyes water. Ooh. He then picked up a few jobs on ranches in the area and earned the notorious label Kid, which was a common name for juvenile delinquents. Billy then used his earnings by gambling frequently and falling in a gang led by local criminal John R. Mackey, who was known as a horse thief and suspected murderer. Along with Mackey, Billy is arrested again, this time under the name Henry Atram. The pair are charged with stealing three horses that belong to some soldiers, and despite being shackled, Billy manages to escape while the guards attend a local dance. I know, I've been a thief too. I steal hearts wherever I go. No, really, it's a problem. I spend a fortune on little coolers. In August of 1877, Billy got into a fight with another youth called Francis Wendy Cal Hill while at Camp Grant, Arizona. Cal Hill reportedly pinned Billy to the ground and slapped him. Billy then drew his gun and mortally wounds Wendy and then flees back to the New Mexico Territory. Wendy did die the following day, and that act made Billy an official murderer. Now don't forget, this was the Wild West. There were local sheriffs and lawmen, but they really didn't go outside their jurisdiction. It was a real, they don't pay me enough for this. Most of the punishment was given out by vigilante justice, which was usually hanging a bullet or a prison cell. Hey now, come on, fellas. I'm sure we can work something out that'll benefit and satisfy us all. Sorry, past life flashback. I've had a squeeze out of a few tight situations myself. Billy then heads to Silver City and hooks up with a group of thieves, joins their gang. This band known as The Boys was part of a large outlaw network, basically the Wild West Mafia. Are you talking to me? You yellow-bellied sack of manure. Billy then changes his name to William H. Bonney, and he is arrested and jailed in Lincoln County for possessing horses belonging to cattleman John Tunstall. But get this, when Billy gets out of jail, John hires him to work on his ranch as a cowboy and a gunman, which I think is one of the weirdest ways I've ever heard of someone getting a job before. I guess that's a good way to make sure he doesn't steal from you again. A few months after he is hired, Billy is actually left in charge of the ranch while John transports a couple horses to Lincoln. On his way, John comes across a posse that ordered... Posse. <laughs> uh, when Tunstall approaches the posse, members shoot and kill him. This event starts what will come to be known as the legendary Lincoln County War. 
Dick Brewer, Tunstall's foreman, is appointed special constable by Justice of the Peace John Wilkerson, giving Brewer the power to make arrests. He immediately forms a group called the Regulators and deputizes several men, including Billy. The Regulators consider themselves a lawful posse with a license to avenge the murder of Tunstall, and they are paid $4 a day in their quest. Within a short time, the Regulators captured three members of Dolan's posse, and on the way back to take them to jail, all three prisoners were murdered. New Mexican Governor Samuel Beach Axtell visits Lincoln out of concern over the mayhem and cancels Squire Wilson's appointment as Justice of the Peace, which pretty much turned the Regulators into outlaws again. And they were now being charged for the murder of the three prisoners. Billy and five other Regulators positioned themselves in a corral hidden by a ten-foot wall. As Sheriff Brady walks down the street, they started shooting at him killing him and a deputy in retaliation for Tunstall's death. During the fight, though, Billy's shot in the thigh, but he still manages to get away. Three days later, Buckshot Roberts tracks down the regulators, and both him and Dick Brewer are killed. Over the next three months, the violence escalated on both sides. Several more people were killed, but in the courtrooms... Only the regulators were indicted for the murders. The fighting peaked with what was called the Five-Day War. And in Lincoln, 60 regulators fought a gun battle against James Dolan, Sheriff George Pepin, and about 40 other men. After five days of fighting, an army cavalry and infantry comes into Lincoln with some pretty big guns. Despite claiming to remain neutral, the army aims their cannons at the regulators and threaten to blow the house away if anyone inside fires. Sheriff Pepin surrounds the house, setting it on fire and calling for surrender. Billy the Kid tries to save the others by making a run for it, causing a diversion, but it's unsuccessful. During the firefight, later dubbed The Big Killing, Most of the remaining regulators are killed, and the Dolan faction claims victory. On the one-year anniversary of Tunstall's murder, in February of 1879, Billy and four others ride to Lincoln to meet Jimmy Dolan and four of his men. The meeting, unsurprisingly, turns violent, but in the end, both sides were able to shake hands in the middle of a road and sign an agreement to stop testifying against or killing each other. It is also agreed that if anyone violates the pact, he should be shot and killed on sight. Not long after, Governor Wallace receives the first of several letters from Billy. In the letter, Billy says, I have no wish to fight anymore. Indeed, I have not raised an arm since your proclamation. As to my character... I refer to any of the citizens, for the majority of them are my friends and have been helping me all they could. I am called Kid Antrim, but Antrim is my stepfather's name. Waiting for an answer, I remain your obedient servant. Governor Wallace replies to Billy's letter telling him to appear at Squire Wilson's house in Lincoln at a specific date and time. He also says... I have the authority to exempt you from prosecution if you will testify to what you know. 
If you could trust Jesse Evans, you can trust me. I wouldn't have if it was me. Mm -mm. He wants Billy to appear before the grand jury and testify that Jimmy Dolan and Billy Campbell killed Chapman. In return, he wrote, I will let you go scot-free with a pardon in your pockets for all your misdeeds. He also says that after seeing Billy interact with the public, he realizes what a popular figure he is. Which Billy really was. People either loved him or they felt sorry for him. There was even a time where he escaped jail, and the town's locals helped him out. They broke him out of his chains and even gave him a horse to ride away on. The ladies loved him too. Hi, Billy. In the summer of 1879, Billy rode to New Mexico, arriving in Las Vegas, where, according to his friend Henry Hoyt, that's my middle name, he dined with the notorious Missouri outlaw Jesse James. Just like Jesse James. Back in New Mexico, Billy poses awkwardly for the only photo ever taken of him. His lover, Paulita Maxwell, later claims that she never liked the picture, claiming it doesn't do him justice. And if you see the photo for yourself, she ain't lying. By November of 1880, a posse tracks Billy and his gang back to a ranch between Vegas and White Oaks, where they start shooting at each other. (laughs) Surprise, surprise! During the shootout, a popular White Oaks blacksmith, Jim Carlisle, is shot while entering the house to try to talk some sense into him. Both sides blame the other for Carlisle's death. A month later, in December of 1880, J.H. Kugler, the editor and publisher of the Las Vegas Gazette, published an editorial in which he refers to Billy for the first time as Billy the Kid. He also began writing articles that embellished Billy's exploits, which only helped to grow his reputation. After he started getting a little bit more famous, Billy again writes Governor Wallace and denies that he or any of his men shot Jim Carlisle. But it didn't work. Wallace published a notice in the New Mexico newspapers three days later. $500 reward. Notice is hereby given that a $500 reward will be paid for the delivery of Bonnie, alias the Kid, to the Sheriff of Lincoln County. Five days later, Sheriff Pat Garrett and his men ambushed the regulators after luring them back to town with some false information. Billy manages to escape and made it back to his hideout, mostly intact. Garrett's men tracked him down, though, and surrounded the one-room stone house. After a day of banter, Billy and his team surrender, allegedly drawn out by the smell of bacon and beans. Now that's some sneaky yet brilliant police work. That would definitely get me to come out of hiding if I hadn't eaten in a few days. The Las Vegas Gazette publishes a jailhouse interview with Billy, and in it he is quoted as saying, What's the use of looking at the gloomy side of everything? The laugh's on me this time. The trial for the murder of Sheriff Bradley begins in Santa Fe, and Albert Jennings Fountain, who had written some pretty bad stuff about Billy's former gang, is chosen to represent Billy. And after only two days of testimony, the jury returns a verdict for first-degree murder, and Billy the Kid is sentenced to die on May 13th. 
he will also be the only person that is convicted of any crimes from the Lincoln County War. But while awaiting execution in the Lincoln jail, Billy asked the guard if he could go to the bathroom. During the trip, he gains possession of the guard's gun and shoots him. Then, from Sheriff Garrett's office, he then grabs a 10-gauge shotgun, takes aim out of a jailhouse window at the second guard who is walking across the street, and kills him too. And this is where the locals helped him flee. It's written a lot that he stole a horse, but it's believed that the townspeople just gave it to him, with a saddle too. And the horse returned a few days later. It had either gotten away from Billy or he had sent it back to them. Horses are so smart. On July 14, 1881, Sheriff Garrett and two of his best deputies slip into Fort Sumner in the early evening to look for Billy after reportedly hearing a rumor that Paulita Maxwell was pregnant with his child. Near midnight, the men enter the gate of the Maxwell house and stand on the porch. Garrett enters Pete Maxwell's room sitting near the head of the bed. Billy spots the deputies on the porch, pulls his gun from his waistband, and whispers, Kianis, who is this? As he backs towards Maxwell's door. Did I mention that Billy was fluent in Spanish? Had no idea. Maxwell whispers to Garrett, Eles, it's him. And Garrett pulls out his gun and fires twice, killing Billy the kid before he can even shoot a bullet. A coroner's jury ruled that Billy's death was justifiable homicide. And later that afternoon, a wagon took his body to nearby Fort Sumner Cemetery. He is still buried there between two of his gang members. The grave even has metal bars over it to prevent theft, making it the only bars that would ever hold Billy the Kid. If you ever go to the grave, people leave coins, but mostly bullets there as a sign of respect for him. There are several conspiracies that Billy didn't actually die that day and went on to live under a new name, one of them being John Miller. In May of 2005, the bones of John Miller were disinterred in Arizona. Scientists compared the DNA with samples from blood believed to be from Billy the Kid, but no test results have been made public, and there's even a lawsuit that's been filed to release the findings. Billy the Kid also holds a record for the most motion pictures made by a single individual in filmmaking history. In his short life, he was successful at one thing, capturing the hearts of the public. Well, what do you all think about the life of Billy the Kid? It is said that he killed as many as 21 people during his lifetime, but it's believed that the true number is closer to 10 or less. He honestly wasn't nearly as rotten as I believed before we began. And the lesson I learned from him, surprisingly, is perseverance. He was a real, no one's coming to save you, you gotta save yourself type of guy. I do feel bad for him, though. He literally had no choice but to resort to anything to save himself because he literally didn't have anybody. There are also reports that his fiancée, Paulita, wasn't even romantically involved with him. 
She even said herself that they weren't, and she got married shortly after his death. So, he possibly didn't even have that. Poor Bella. I appreciate and thank each and every one of you for joining me on Run to the Core. Join me next week, and until then, be happy, find peace, and don't hurt anyone. If you enjoy Rotten to the Core, please follow me on Instagram or join me on Patreon at It's Rotten to the Core. I also have a TikTok now at Rotten in History, and you can watch me on YouTube if you're not already. You can also listen to me on my other podcast, Mystery Inc., that I do with my brother Shane. And we also have a Facebook group called Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole, where we interact and have a plethora of extra fun, foul, mysterious, rotten, golden girls, and historical things a-brewing. Join us there and have a great week ahead, everyone. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.